Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat fans. It is a fantastic Friday edition of Bobcat Radio. I am your host, Orlando Smart, and today I am your host and producer today, Orlando Smart, and today I am joined by my co-host, J.P. Flanagan. And today we have a we have a pretty, no, I wouldn't say jam-packed show today. It's, a, it's just going to be us two in the studio today, but we're going to make we're going to make it work. But before we get started, we're going to throw it to J.P. for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info at menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, and scenic views. All right. So to get the show started, we're going to kind of start. We're going to start off with some Texas State baseball. So um, the Bobcats, they traveled to Mobile, Alabama for a series for a series against the Southern Alabama team. And, I mean, in this series right now, the it's tied 1-1, and the final game of the series will be tonight. At, well, not tonight, actually. It's going to be in a little bit here at 2 p.m., and it'll be the series open. I mean, the series closer in this game. And so right now it's a Sunbelt Conference game, and them being tied, and they kind of – it was kind of like – Right, uh, like a, a back and forth, because uh, in the first game the Bobcats won eight to four, and then in the second game the Bobcats lost four to eight. So, I mean, what, what do you think the Bobcats can do to kind of get things back together to where they can finish this series out with the win? Yeah, I mean, I think that first game the the win came really just from having Levi Wells up there on the mound. I mean, he's been a strong presence all year, and that's something that this team's been trying to build on. You know, trying to get that bullpen ready for you know the tougher games down the road. I know we got Texas this weekend. Um, but yeah, I think the the real problem in that second game was the big hitters not getting on base. I mean, Chase Mora hit a home run to satis- or signify himself as the freshman leader of this team uh, in home runs ever, and we're only you know um, a co- halfway through this season. But uh, yeah, really, just the big hitters not getting on base. Um, I see uh, Gonzalez didn't get on base once. We had McLean only get on base once. Uh, Powell getting on base once, and those are four of your big hitters getting on base a total of three times. So um, that's going to be an issue going forward if they can't, you know, consistently keep getting on base. And then I think uh, filling those holes on the on the pitching end are going to be a, an issue as well. But I mean, this is what these games are for, you know, to find your groove and figure out what this team is. Uh, but you're going to have to figure it out quick because Texas is, you know, playing their best baseball right now, and they're ready to, you know, just walk over Texas State and. If that's the case, you know, Texas State's got a lot to, you know, get prepared for going into that. Definitely. I'm glad you mentioned kind of hitting, especially outside of, like, looking at the the home run ball because that's kind of something we've been mentioning all season. If you look at the first game versus the second game, in the first game, um, Manning was able to get on base and then Hernandez singled. And then right after that, Hernandez singled again. Powell doubled and then a, a pop fly to kind of which got some um, – runs batted in versus, like you said, none of those same players being able to actually get on base and then Texas State not really being able to score outside of Chase Moore. He hit a home run, a, a big home run, and then early in the game, 
they were able to get uh, Leary was able to get on base, which was able to kind of drive in some runs. So they just have to they can get back to that. They'll be able to close the series out with the win, and that's definitely like you mentioned something they need going into this. Um, going into next week because starting that starting next week off, they do have a, a doubleheader, the same doubleheader as last year. It's the I-35 matchup. I don't know. I think, does that go to UTSA or do we? The, I don't know how that uh, kind of. Yeah, I'm not sure if they give the name the I-35 matchup, but it might as well be. I yeah, I mean, like, it's, school, in my opinion, it's but. all like they're we're all right there on 35. So, I mean, it's I guess it's technically that matchup, too. And I know Texas. They ended this. They were able to get a win in the first game, but then that series ended with the horns down being thrown. So I know they're going to be looking for revenge. So the Bobcats definitely need to first not look past South Alabama because this is a conference game. This is a a, a matchup that matters. That's going to matter going down um, the stretch in the season. So they shouldn't look be looking past South Alabama. They need to handle that tonight today um, in a couple hours at two p.m. But that Texas matchup is definitely going to be big for them, especially just because a team that, like you said, they're playing their best baseball right now. So that type of a win against a, a series win against this team would just do big to because after that, there's a lot more Sunbelt Conference play to be um, be had. And I mean, the, the Bobcats, they, they've shown they can do it. They've shown that they can beat UT. They've shown they can beat top-ranked teams, and they shouldn't be scared of anyone. So Yeah, and I actually saw that um, So they have uh, 64 teams go into the tournament for baseball, and I saw that Texas right now is ranked as like the 12th overall seed, and they haven't had the best of season so far. But, I mean, Texas State hasn't had any sort of season replicable to that yet. And so really Texas State needs wins like that to kind of put themselves in position for later down the season. I know they have, you know, that series sweep against Northwestern, a team that's still struggling you know get wins together um but yeah besides that that tcu win they don't have any like big wins so they're gonna have to you know pick it up come conference play you know really get those stacking i know it took a little while to get together last year but i mean yeah you're gonna have to pick up the pace here just to kind of you know impress those voters to you know get into that field to 64 so that you can make a run i know people you know are wanting to put that last year in the past you know that loss to stanford and really kind of build on that and to really start that you're gonna need to put some wins together and i think this honestly this texas team might not be as good as that tcu team so if if you get the texas state team that you want to show up that day um with the hitting flow that they have and you know hopefully Levi Wells is on the mound at least one of those days then yeah I see Texas at least getting one of those wins um but yeah it's not going to be an easy one um they're going to need to take care of South Alabama first for sure definitely but we're going to kind of transit we're going to transition over across the way to the softball diamond and sadly there the the softball game was postponed there, there was supposed to be a softball game yesterday um but obviously everyone here in San Marcos knows that can look outside and see what the weather's like and see it's been real nasty the past couple of days so that game was postponed and hopefully there's supposed to be a game today at 4 p.m at, but again if you look outside you'll see how nasty that weather is and you'll know it will so we're still to be determined on if that game will actually happen but if it it does I mean what are some of the things you think the Bobcats can do to get a win in this game I mean uh hopefully the weather clears up I think yesterday's problem was lightning and I don't think I've seen any lightning today so hopefully that isn't an issue going forward but yeah I mean this is a Southern Miss team that has come into this um, matchup losing 11 straight and then they actually won against Nichols State I think before this so you know they got a win under their belt but not anything quality related I think uh, really just you got to come with your best foot forward and not play down your opponent I feel like um, what this team has been do- able to do is quite impressive beating you know the big names like Texas and Alabama but 
I mean, really, you can't show for it if you're going to, you know, drop a series to a team like um, South Alabama or um, even losing a, a full series to Troy. So, I mean, they're still trying to figure out what they are as a team. I, I, I mean, it's kind of the same issues as the baseball team, you know, trying to find something besides Jessica Mullins on the pitching mound. I mean, the hitting is great when it is when it is going. Um, got some players over. Um, point three hundred right now. So I mean, they're just looking to build on some of the success, find some consistency. I know I probably taken this from you, Orlando, or or maybe it was Thomas, but um, just trying to be um, consistent in, in you know in their play and because they're really consistent and not being consistent at the moment. So really just trying to find a flow and hopefully that they can start a spark like they got at the end of last season. Definitely, like we like you said, um, they they've shown they can beat top ranked teams. So looking at a team like um, this team, uh, looking at a team like Southern Miss, they're like you said, they're on a they they are eleven and one. They were on a really long losing streak until they got a win. But even in in conference play in general, they they haven't won a single conference game. So the Bobcats, I know the Bobcats don't want to be this team's first conference win. And I mean, they want all the they want all the conference wins they can get themselves. So this will be a definitely be a a, a game a, a matchup for the Bobcats to kind of get their heads on straight to kind of get back to what they were doing at the beginning of the season and what they were doing when they were beating some of those big name opponents. But that we're gonna take a moment for a quick break. Um, and when we get back, we're gonna zoom out of San Marcos and talk about some of the national news that is going on right now. All right, welcome back to this Friday episode of Bobcat Radio. I am your host and producer, Orlando Smart, and in the studio with me, I have my co-host, J.P. Flanagan, and like I said before the break, we are going to zoom out of San Marcos, Texas, and look at the NBA right now. So, I mean, the season is coming to a, a, a an amazing close. Uh, these, these last few games are in, insanely important for a lot of different teams. I know... Um, me and Thomas is our, our Lakers. They had a very tough game against the the Clippers the other night, and I mean, as a LeBron fan, I can admit that was just an awful first half from LeBron. But I mean, he was able to turn it around in the second half. But I mean, in the end, it just wasn't enough, and they lost a game that they kind of really needed to win to kind of stay out of that play-in. But right now, they're the seventh seed. Well, they're tied with the Pelicans right now, but they have the tiebreaker, so they're currently the seventh seed. But that is a play-in spot, and I mean, I hate the play-in. I've always hated it only, but maybe it's just because every year since it's been a thing, LeBron seems to be fighting it, either fighting for it or in it, and, and I kind of, it scares me every time, so um, that's kind of where the Lakers are right now, but they have a, they the season's not over. They do have two games left. They have a game tonight against the Phoenix Suns, which is going to be a big one, actually, because uh, this will be, I, I got to find the exact date, but this is for sure the first time LeBron and Kevin Durant have played against each other in a really, really long time. I, I think it's at least three years. Maybe it's been longer than yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, they, whether it be injuries, load management, um, there's been just a lot of different factors there, but this has been the first time they've played each other in a really long time. So, with the, especially with all the playoff implications on the line, this is going to be a pretty good matchup. What do you think is going to? How do you think that's going to? Yeah, I mean, play first out? to comment because I know you said you're against the play, and for good reason. It's it's not been very friendly to LeBron, but I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum on this one. I think it brings out the best in basketball, and I really think it it brings out like the best seven or eight seed in this because you know how injuries happen in a season or different circumstances may happen where you know the eight seed kind of just falls down there and then we're not getting like the best team at that current moment in time i think this opportunity kind of allows for you know the one seed to play the hardest team at that you know the lower positions because 
it, it basically is the best team at the end of the season. So I think that kind of gives a, you know, more possibility for maybe an upset. Maybe a one seed has a, you know, a harder time going into it. Uh, but yeah, I think it adds more, you know, competition. And I think it's very valuable to, I mean, I think it's very valuable that Adam Silver hasn't gotten rid of it up to this point. Um, but to also comment on that Lakers Clippers game, it wasn't the most exciting first half. I, I know LeBron hadn't come out, you know, playing his best game, but I mean, I thought it was kind of weird. The Clippers really have beaten the the Lakers like what is it, ten times now? I think so, like I, eleven. Maybe. Yeah, they're really running LA right <laughs> now. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't know what it is, and it's kind of been under the radar. I mean, I really haven't been paying attention, but they play each other what three or four times a year. So this is multiple years running right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited about what the NBA has to bring. You know, finishing the season out. I feel like since 2016, when KD, you know switched it up and took it to his talents to Golden State it really just you know messed up the league and we were at an imbalance there and now that everyone's kind of found their place and passed the trade deadline, trade deadline and we're kind of just in a great place right now where you know competition is at its fullest and we don't know who's going to win we really there's multiple teams who can go all the way there's not one you're looking at right now where you're like yeah that that's kind of unfair it's completely fair right now and it's the most balance it's been in a really long time and I mean there's a lot of teams here who had a lot to fight for um, I know in going to this play-in I don't think Zion is actually going to be playing it's very unlikely so if LeBron and the Lakers are able to catch the Pelicans they might be able to win that first game then they won't have to worry about you know playing the nine or ten seed so yeah I mean it's going to be a great end of the season here I mean a lot to fight for for these teams and these teams are definitely trying to move up in position so they don't have to play teams like the Suns or like um, maybe uh, some teams want to win more so they can play a team like the Kings but yeah I mean it's going to be very exciting no, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think a lot of teams definitely have the Sacramento Kings circled on their list. And, I mean, I'm also glad you mentioned the that win streak that the Clippers have against the Lakers because, yeah, I genuinely just don't understand, like, what's going on there. Cause, and it's never even just, like, the same player is just going off. Like, even in this last game, Russell Westbrook, the same exact shots that he was throwing off the backboard as a Laker, he was just going, he was just knocking down in the first half. He didn't, he didn't finish the game off with just a crazy amount of points. He only had 14, and I'm pretty sure all 14 of those were in the first half, but he like didn't miss a shot. And then Norman Powell was just unstoppable. He had 27 points, and then like I can, they couldn't guard him. And if they didn't stop him from scoring, they fouled him. And then uh, Zubak just killed, uh, what's his name? Um, winning Gabriel down low in the post. It was just uh, that was just a bad showing, kind of defensively as a whole, and then offensively, yeah, like we mentioned, LeBron was just bad in the first half. But also want to shout out that the Spurs played last night. They played a really good game. I mean, I don't know what they're kind. I thought they were kind of tanking, but um, they played in Austin last night um, at the Moody Center. And I mean, I don't know. I don't. Were you able to watch that game? I know. It was a pretty close game. I'm looking at it right now that the um, they won by two. So um, I know that they're at the point right now where they're definitely, they want um, Victor Wimbenyama. I know there's a lot of Spurs fans um, in the area um, pretty close to us right now. But, I mean, I feel like that's they're not looking to win games right now. I mean, I guess at this point, the last three seeds, I get, think, get the same lottery odds. So I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. They're that low. But, I mean, they them playing in Austin is pretty cool. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not very often I even get to talk about the Spurs, but I just uh, wanted to comment on what I was looking at your screen a second. Did I see Kawhi Leonard play like 43 minutes? That's pretty impressive. I don't know if he's played that much all season. Yeah, I mean, getting him off the load management is pretty impressive. I mean, uh, especially at this time of the season. I mean, he's getting ready for a playoff push, and I think he's a guy who's capable of winning a championship still. Um, But to comment on my Spurs, I know a lot of people were, you know, skeptical going into the season because they had scheduled two games in Austin. Um, they were like, well, does this mean implications that they can move to Austin? Um, but I'm here to reassure you, Spurs fans, that uh, I saw something the other day. I think it was on Ken's. They're they're putting a lot more money into San Antonio. So they're upgrading their facilities. I think what this was uh, the perfect time to do this because this is showing that, hey, we might be playing in Austin, you know, gr- uh, grow our market, you know, a bigger market team. But uh, we're still committed to the city of San Antonio. And I think that's great because I don't know if I could be a Spurs fan if it was the Austin Spurs. Uh, I, I've just been a diehard Spurs fan forever. And it, the culture is definitely in ingrained in the in the city of San Antonio and it really would be nothing without it um, but to talk about the game in, in itself I mean great performance from the young guys I mean Keldon Johnson's a force out there um, we have a, a Julian champion I can't even say his name yet champion he's a he's a rookie I mean he's he got on a two-way deal just here at the end of the season and he's had multiple 20-point performances I mean he's doing a great job I mean he's a great shooter from St. John's uh, the school where I think Rick Pitino is now coaching so yeah I mean some young guys making some improvements and just to reassure the city of San Antonio I think the Spurs are here to stay I don't think we have anything to worry about but I am honestly glad they're kind of expanding their market out to Austin because there is a you know a mass population out there of uh, younger students and I'm sure people who also want to you know you know catch into the Spurs kind of organization and the culture and I, we because we have a great culture to spread and I think the Spurs organization you know playing some games in Austin could be influential and hopefully um you know they add some more games in Austin in the future because I know their their AT&T Center might not be a long-term goal and they might want to you know move the stadium back downtown again so hopefully they do something like that oh man I don't think the Spurs would ever leave San Antonio I think it's just like you're saying it's yeah, they're just trying to kind of, like, build their market and kind of, like, get the, I mean, obviously the Spurs' name is known, but just, you know, just kind of appeal to more fans, get the people out in Austin. That way they come, but they're trying to get the people in Austin to come to San Antonio, not the other way around. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like the Spurs are in the perfect place. And I think I, I just saw some a report coming out about, not a report, it was maybe an interview or something about how that the Spurs players, they love San Antonio, but, I mean, Austin might be where they they, they kind of hang out in Austin and, like, have fun in Austin, but it's, like, it's the perfect distance away to where San, San Antonio being home is, like, the perfect place for them, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm from Austin, but the Spurs being, like, an hour away is, like, I mean, it was perfect for us, and it was never hard to go see them, and they were always involved in the San Antonio community, which is perfect. I feel like that's much. They San Antonio needs that much more than Austin does, and they're the Spurs are just the the heart and the lifeblood of San Antonio. I feel like Austin doesn't need that as yeah, a like Austin as a, it doesn't have the space for it either. I don't think, oh but goodness, I mean, it was yeah. definitely scary there for a second. A lot a lot of people on the Spurs Twitter were like, "Oh, it's over," you know, yada yada. But I, I think we're safe, you guys. I think we're good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And so kind of looking at kind of some of the awards that are kind of kind of going to be coming out for the end of the season. Uh, I know Doc Rivers is a little biased, but he kind of came out the other night and said how Joel Embiid 
completely shut the, he completely shut the door on the MVP conversation. He thinks it's it's MVP. He thinks it's Joel Embiid and then no one else. And that's kind of a shot at Nikola Jokic because I think he's the only other players. I think it's like a two man race pretty much between them two. So, what are your thoughts on the NBA MVP right now? I mean, I was really sold on Nikola Jokic. I really think that averaging a triple double at his size and you know what he offers to a team, it's much more than just you know points on a points on a scoreboard it's it's really just in every aspect of the game maybe not so much on the defensive end but I really I really thought it was Nikola Jokic at this point it might as well be a toss-up though uh, I think I mean, I'm an odds follower I think the odds right now in Vegas show that Joel Embiid has a slight advantage I mean it really helps to score you know 52 points get in one of the last games of the season um, especially when you have a head coach vocal like Doc Rivers who is going to vouch for you um, but I, I think it comes down to team success I think Nikola Jokic has had a little more team success and you know really he's brought more to the overall success of his team than Joel um, but yeah I mean it, it might as well be a toss-up right now I, I wouldn't be disappointed if it was either way I mean it'd be cool to see Joel get his first I feel like you know a few times there with Nikola Jokic him battling it out he was kind of deserving at the same time but you know it'd be also really cool to see you know someone win three times in a row Although it'd be kind of disappointing because Tim Duncan never won three MVPs. So if Nikola Jokic did it, is he better? Even though he has five less rings than him, I mean, we we'll never know. But I mean, I, I'm I'm cool with either of those. If it if it's a third person, it might as well be Giannis. But I really don't think it'll go there. It's really a two man race at this current moment. Yeah, I think I mean I think voter fatigue definitely plays a role into it. I think Giannis he won his back to back. Jokic won his back to back and. Joel Embiid hasn't won and he hasn't won any and I think what what kind of would would not kind of would spark that comment from Doc Rivers is the on the same night that um Nikola Jokic lost the game to the Houston Rockets who are also there in the same boat as the San Antonio Spurs they're right now they're tanking for Victor Wimbenyama right now they lost to them by almost they lost to them by over 20 points in a game where Nikola Jokic only scored 14 while Joel Embiid was going up against the Boston Celtics. And like you said, JP put up 52 points. And the Celtics right now, I th- they're all they're fighting. They're literally, they're all fighting for, they're above the um, the Sixers right now in seeding. And so, and in terms of team success, while the Sixers are third in the East, um, they have, and the Nuggets are first in the West, those teams have the exact same record right now. It just kind of shows just how kind of a, um, how much of a dogfight that Western Conference is right now, um, especially like I mean the the Nuggets are the best team by like they're four games ahead of third place, and third place is only three he get three games ahead of like um, uh, last place. So it's like these teams, especially in the West, they're all fighting for these these last spots in the playoffs, and these are to to solidify their spot in the playoffs. But I mean I think yeah I feel like at this point it's got to be Joel Embiid just to. If you you want to look at team success, what he's bringing on both ends of the floor, because that's another problem that I feel like is a is kind of holding back Nikola Jokic from winning another MVP is the defensive side of the ball. Joel Embiid he is a he's a straight monster on offense and defense. He completely locks it down the paint. While Joel Embiid, I mean, while Nikola Jokic kind of doesn't he doesn't play defense much at all. So I feel like I don't really know which much how much more. 
I could uh, yeah, kind of campaign for Joel Embiid right now. A lot of people now, but... are uh, like talking about Wimbenyama having like a defensive liability if he's going to play center. Oh, definitely. But like if he's going to be a defensive liability, let's talk about Nikola Jokic being slow, yeah. you know, being sloppy on the defensive end. So like, uh, I really don't see the negative on drafting a Wimbenyama because like if if he can be you know an All Star caliber player, passing, um, you know, f- driving the lanes, scoring three point shot. I've, everyone's been showing the three point shot, and then that uh, three point shot he took where he missed it, and he actually put it back for a dunk i mean if he can do all those things does he really even need to have a defensive bag i mean Nikola Jokic is a perfect example of you know you can just use a little bit of defense but not really uh you know need to pursue that like Joel Embiid has but although Joel Embiid doesn't really provide the assist like I feel like Jokic provides he's much more of a floor handler whereas Joel is just more of like a dominant scorer and presence on the court um, but yeah, I feel like I just wanted to comment with Wembenyama there. You know, he might not actually need to be as defensively tout as everyone, you know, seems. He he could just be like a Nikola Jokic thing, or he might not even need to play the five. He could play, you know, the four maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought kind of brought up that comparison because I feel like in the things that make Wembenyama right now what some what people are calling a defensive liability can kind of be worked on more than the things that are making Jokic a defensive liability. Like you said, he's slow, he's sloppy, he's just, he doesn't, I don't even know, I feel like sometimes it's even an effort thing. And when Minyama right now, he's just kind of undersized in terms of weight, and he's really skinny. And so I feel like if you look at people like Giannis and Dwight Howard and um, just players all around, even LeBron, like if you look at them, now versus when they came into the NBA, those guys were pretty skinny. Giannis and Dwight Howard especially, those were some pretty skinny guys coming into the NBA. And if you look at them now, they're gigantic. So it's not like he can't ever put on weight just because he's so tall and just because he's so big. I mean, we've seen it before, and I feel like that's going to be the thing that sets him apart because I feel like that's what sets people like Giannis and someone like, um, what's the guy's name? Uh... Oh, he plays for the Nuggets. Um, he's insanely tall. No, not McDaniel's. Uh, not he used to. No. Um, oh my goodness, I cannot think of his <laughs> I'm name. I'm gonna look up the Nuggets roster right now. But yeah, Bol Bol. Oh, yeah, okay. that's his name. <laughs> I can, I can, I, I. It came to me out of the thin air, and so I, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, he's like he's insanely tall. He can handle the rock. He can do a lot of things, but he's just so small and so skinny. He can't really do much to help other players. So I feel like if if um, Wimbenyama can put on the weight like some of these more dominant players did, he can definitely be a lot less of a defensive liability. And if that's the case, he's going to be unstoppable. If he's with that size and the way he can score the ball and the way he can just do whatever he wants out there on the court, size is kind of like the only thing setting him apart from the NBA level type of competition. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I know not like defensive liability in terms of what he's doing on defense because he's yeah. a great shot blocker and he's great, at, you know, moving around the basket and rotating and stuff like that. It's just the way. And I think if people are going to continue to say that until maybe we see Chet Holmgren, you know, show, because I feel like he's one of those players where we're going to, you know, get to see, oh, how does the skinny, you know, guy who can shoot and pass and dribble, you know, how is he going to react? And us not getting to see Chet Holmgren this season is, you know, part of the reason why people are still going to continue to doubt Wembenyama, even though he's still going to get drafted number one, no doubt, no doubt about it. Um, but what's going to be cool is if the Thunder somehow make the playoffs, do they bring Chet out 
does he you know does he play um but or do they risk the chance that he's not going to win rookie of the year next year because if he doesn't play a game this season he could just be a rookie next year and then it'd be the Wembenyama Chet Holmgren race for rookie of the year which would be very interesting although it'd be cool to see the Thunder in the playoffs I think that might be a little cooler so I, I think I'd just push for Chet Holmgren to wait till next year I mean, yeah, just given the history of the NBA, I feel like that'll be more likely what happens because I think it was Donovan Mitchell who was who was kind of robbed of a rookie of the year against, I think think, think that was Joel, Joel Embiid's technically second year in the NBA. And so, and then Donovan Mitchell was a true rookie, came in fresh off his college career and wasn't able to win. But I mean, if he doesn't play, he's technically a rookie. So I feel like that's going to be more what they do. It does He doesn't really gain much from the Thunder not really, because unless the Thunder genuinely feel like they have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs after getting in through the play-in, I feel like they'll probably just sit him out. But that's going to be all the time we have for today's episode, guys. But before we get out of here, I'm going to let you guys know about the weather. Like I kind of mentioned it earlier. It is raining right now. It is not looking good, kind of. But that's, that's kind of an excuse to, like, stay home. It's the weekend, kind of, instead of... We've we've had a lot of sun these last couple of weekends. I've seen a lot of people out at Sewell maybe try to use this weekend to catch up on some of your TV shows or catch up on some of your homework. I know that doesn't sound appealing, but the, catch up on some of your mo- a movie you want to watch or something. Like kind of stay in and cuddle up. It's that it's gonna be because kind of looking like it's gonna be that kind of weather um, for the rest of the day. It's 51 degrees right now, and yeah, it's looking like the chance of rain is not gonna go down and till like 3 a.m so yeah stay safe stay dry and um that's gonna be all the time we have today guys if you want to stay updated with texas state and san marcus follow us on twitter youtube instagram at ktsw but for now that's gonna be all the time we have and we're gonna get you back to the other side of radio